Podcast Answer Man, episode number 330. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi, this is Cynthia Sanchez from the Oh So Pinteresting podcast. You are listening to Cliff Ravenscraft. He's been taking podcasting to the next level since 2005. He is the Podcast Answer Man. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet recorded that first episode. You know, I got a free tutorial over at learnhowtopodcast.com for that. Anyway, there's something that we can all do to take our show and everything we do in life to the next level. And my friends, taking things to the next level is what it's all about for me. And I have a couple things that I want to share with you before I bring my great friend and social media correspondent, Eric J. Fisher, onto this episode with me, who is going to join me for several different uh, discussions that we'll have shortly. Uh, But I want to say that I have been taking things to a whole new level, and um, I'm going to share two things. One of them is I just decided to share with you right now, and that is that I have made some major progress in my own personal pursuit of physical fitness and health, and it kind of ties into something I shared last week. Last week I had mentioned that I was doing something that I have always warned people not to do, and that is to record and publish an episode, or at least to publish an episode, on a daily basis. Now, I had suggested that if you wanted to find out more information about why I did that, you could go back to, oh, I can't even remember, I think it's probably episode number 536 of Pursuing a Balanced Life over at pursuingabalancedlife.com, but really... I'm going to briefly tell you uh, in in the briefest way possible what that's all about. And the important thing to know about my decision to go daily is that this is not for my audience. I'm not doing it for them. I'm actually doing it for me. And what I needed is something that was going to motivate me to get out and walk a minimum of 10,000 steps every day. That was my goal to get back into that routine. It's something that I'd done in the past. I lost a lot of weight when I did that. Uh, it really changed my mindset, helped me start thinking differently about food and everything else in life. And then things got in the way and stuff happened and and I allowed things to really take over and got out of that habit. Well, I'm back into it and one of the reasons I'm back into it is because I am recording and publishing an episode every day. And I told folks out there, I said, listen, if you don't get an episode of Pursuing a Balanced Life during a certain day, that probably means that I did not meet my goal of walking five, or of walking 10,000 steps, which is almost, it's about four and a half to five miles a day. Now, uh, I have been able to keep that up every single day. This Today is going to probably be the most difficult challenge out of all of them because tomorrow is the final day of podcasting A to Z for the current session. session. But um, I will say this, that 
producing a daily podcast has been great for me. I have been looking at the stats just because I'm I'm curious about how this is going to work out as far as total number of downloads go. And one thing I can tell you is that already my downloads per episode are well below average of what this show typically got when it was on a weekly basis. And uh, when I was actually producing the show once a month, the, the downloads are even it's, it's almost just a small fraction of what I got when I was doing the episode once a month. But with that being said, there are literally hundreds who are subscribing or who are listening on a daily basis. And I I guess what I should say about that is not necessarily the hundreds, because I can tell you right now it's averaging about 500 downloads per episode. But that doesn't mean there are 500 people listening daily. Uh, That's just the average. And what I'm seeing already is that there are some people who are listening, you know, to one every now and then and deleting others. And there are some people who are listening to every single episode. But one of my closest, most personal friends who happens to also be in a mastermind group, uh, we were talking about this in my hot seat. And one of the things he says is he says, I, you know, I hate this. I feel beholden to listen to these because he happens to be one person who has listened to every episode of Pursuing a Balanced Life. And now, 15 to 30 minutes a day, every day, seven days a week, there's a new episode of the show. And he desires to keep up with them all. And this guy's got a busy schedule of his own. Now, the thing is, is it goes back to what I said before. And that is, I am doing this for myself. I'm doing this to take my personal health and my personal fitness to the next level. And I recognize that this may not be the most convenient thing for my listeners. And so this is where it comes down to. And and I think this goes a lot to, a lot can be said for this, uh, where, um, you know, when, when we decide to actually do a daily show so that we can get more downloads and rank higher in iTunes and potentially get more uh, commission or not commission, but uh, more ad revenue from, you know, having more, you know, more downloads because you get paid per thousand downloads or whatever. So, so in reality, when it comes down to doing a daily show, it, is it the best thing for your audience? And so far, I can tell you right now, it's, it's not. Um, the people who love my show are feeling burdened by the daily episodes. And I recognize that. And I knew that going in. It, it wasn't a surprise to me. But I just thought I'd give you a little update there. But the thing is, is it is achieving what I set out to do. Just like some people would, uh, would actually choose to do a daily podcast because it would achieve for them a higher ranking in iTunes or a higher ad revenue. Um, the, the reason for me doing my daily podcast, doing an episode every single day, seven days a week is also achieving what I wanted it want the reason for which I wanted to do it, which is to actually give me the motivation, uh, to, to get my daily four and a half to five mile walk in every day. So that's one way that I'm taking things to the next level. One other way real quickly that I am taking things to another level is my digital product workflow. Now, for those who um, may be familiar with this, if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash products, I have several paid tutorials that you can purchase. Now, of course, I've got my, the biggest tutorial is free. It's learn how to podcast over at learnhowtopodcast.com. But I do have several premium 
um, you know, tutorials, things that people used to hire me for one-on-one over and over and over again. I created tutorials that uh, covered that material and gave my thoughts and and my training and advice in those specific realms, such as WordPress for podcasters, how to set that up step by step for podcasting. And there's, um, you know, how to set up the MDX 4600 compressor limiter gate. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that are on there. Um, there is inside the studio, which is equipment set up and uh, work podcast workflow, which, by the way, um, I when I actually made some changes when I'm going to talk about um, I made some changes. I actually updated that tutorial. So for, by the way, any of you who have purchased inside the studio, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, you have complete and free access to the three brand new tutorials that replay that are meant to replace the original tutorial as it stood prior to that. So if you just use your link and password that you've already been provided when you purchased the tutorial, you can log back in and there are three brand new videos. One of them is called Equipment Options for Every Budget. That's just over an hour in length, and it will tell you every option that's out there as far as what I would recommend, no matter what your budget is, whether it's $5 or $5,000, uh, there's something that can work to provide you very decent audio quality no matter what your budget is. And so that's a one-hour video tutorial called Equipment Options for Every Budget. The next one is called Mixer Bakes Basics and Equipment Setup, and it's literally, a, it's over an hour and 20 minutes, I think, and it walks you through every single button and knob on a standard mixer that I would recommend, how it's all work, how it all works, and it takes people from pulling their mixer out of their box and being so overwhelmed with all the buttons and knobs and and everything else. They're just like, there, there's no way I'm going to figure out how to use this. And they kind of have this anxiety attack. And those same people that have that reaction to pulling that mixer out of the box after watching this tutorial are like, they're literally, they say, I got this. I'm, and I did have one, I had one student who said, I may have to watch it one more time, but I'm absolutely confident that I now understand what this thing does. And, and I have no doubt that I'll be able to use this thing uh, for, for what it was intended to be for. And, and, and so that is, um, called the mixer basics and equipment setup. And it actually talks about how to hook up all the different types of equipment you might want to hook up with your equipment. It even talks about mix minus and all of those other uh, more advanced topics. And it does it in a way that is very easy to understand. And then on top of that, there is my proven podcast workflow. And those three tutorials, those three videos were the brand new videos that I created, I think back from my May podcasting A to Z class. And I have used those videos to kind of take the place of my original inside the studio tutorial. And um, the by the way, the original inside the studio tutorial is still available and it's actually at the bottom of that page and, and that's mentioned on the product page after you've purchased it. The one thing I can tell you right now though is that um, if you're hearing the sound of my voice and you get this within the next uh, couple days, there's a chance you could go to uh, podcastanswerman.com slash products and you could still get inside the studio tutorial for $75. But you'll want to do that fast because the price on that tutorial is going up to $100, uh, which is the it's the standard price for most of my tutorials anyway. And uh, with the new materials, there's no question 
that the value is it, it's three, four or five times that. But uh, it is going up to $100. So if you can get this, get it now. But even if you are hearing my voice and you're listening to a couple days, you know, several days later, even a week later or more, um, just go there and pick it up for 100 bucks. It's definitely worth the $100 for inside the studio. Anyway, what prompted all of this was the fact that my website was attacked by hackers and people were trying to log in to my website using botnets. And as a result of that, my um, web host went in and created a script that kept you know, bots from being able to actually submit queries into my SQL server. And the way they did that was by pulling up an authorization script. And the problem was is that this authorization script was then asking for a username and a password. Now, in a weird kind of way, they kind of put the username and password of what it actually is in the script itself that pops up, but it's not necessarily super intuitive. And even somebody as technical as I, I didn't get it until I read the email from them that says, oh, here's your username and password. And I look, it's like, oh, it's that. (laughs) Okay, I get it. So the problem was, is everybody who had purchased all of my products and tutorials and all my A to Z students who are logging in, they're like, hey, I've got the link and I've got the password, but it's asking for a username and password and I don't have a username. What's the username? And I've been having so many different issues and I I had to consistently, uh, you know, respond to people as that was coming up over the last couple of days while I was, uh, you know, since this has happened. And it's been on my to-do list, the biggest to-do list item ever to completely rework my workflow of, of how I do my digital products. And I actually had a friend of mine create a PHP custom script for me that has password authentication in it that does not rely on SQL and it does not require uh, that it be connected to WordPress. And now all of my digital training products have been moved to their own standalone product pages. And the cool thing is, is I actually still have my uh, same Google Analytics code and uh, all of these pages exist in a subfolder inside of a subfolder uh, of my podcastanswerman.com domain. And so I still will be able to have analytics on how many people are logging into those and how long they're staying on them and stuff like that. But um, taking things to a whole new level, sometimes, you know, you, you get something that's a lot of these tutorials have been online since 2010. I've never had any problem at all. But then just this big, huge thing happens. And it's like, you know what? There have been enough issues in the past with the way that I've done password protected pages. Um, I'm going to I'm going to see if I can come up with a different way. And and I'm very excited about it. The one thing that this means, though, and then we'll get into uh, we'll switch things over here to Eric Fisher in uh, just a moment. The one thing that this does mean, though, is I used to have a tutorial called Webinar and Digital Products Workflow. <laughs> and uh, that was a product that you could purchase for $100. And it actually showed you all. I mean, it, it was nine videos that show you step by step, even from the concept, the idea of a tutorial that I have, how I mind map it out, how I set up my webinar, how I invite people, how I charge how I receive money, how I register for people, the email confirmations they get. It was it included how I actually use ScreenFlow to convert it into video format, how I create um, supporting documents for it, 
how I create a product page, and then how I put it on up for, on my site for sale using eJunkie and all of those other things. I mean, it literally covered everything. Totally awesome tutorial. But now that's all changed. I mean, a lot of, I would say 60% of that workflow has changed now since 2010. And so that product is no longer available on my website. But in, there's a good chance that sometime within the next uh, three to six months, I will do a brand new webinar on my digital, pro, you know, webinars and digital products workflow. And I'll look forward to sharing that with you. If you guys are not on the mailing list, my mailing list is only used for notifying people of when I have new products and services to sell. And so if you want to be notified of that, I encourage you to go to podcastanswerman.com and uh, register for my mailing list there in the sidebar. All right, we'll get things. uh, Let me go ahead and play this. I'll take a drink of water while it's playing, and then we'll talk to Eric Fisher. Do you work for yourself full-time or desire to do so in the near future? Do you have a desire to connect with other success-minded entrepreneurs? Are you ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level? If so, the podcast Mastermind may be just what you're looking for. Imagine having ongoing access to non-judgmental and constructive feedback, tips and resources, technology reviews, and open exchange of ideas, collaborative tasks and meetings that are designed to boost your confidence and credibility. The Podcast Mastermind is designed to get you plugged into a small group of like-minded, success-oriented individuals who are consistently focused on helping you take the next right step toward meeting your personal and professional goals. For more details and to learn how to apply, head on over to podcastmastermind.com podcastmastermind.com today. And not only is Eric J. Fisher a social media correspondent for gspn.tv and podcast answer man but he's also a member of the podcast mastermind and he's with me now eric how are you sir i'm not just a client i'm also i don't know how does that saying go anyway i'm not only not only am i the president i'm also a member i'm also a member yes air club for men Hmm. yeah i could use some of that too anyway anyway so eric what are we going to talk about today we've got a couple topics which one do you want to start with well, let's let's spin off of what you were talking about in terms of your daily uh, PABL episodes, because I think there's there, the suck of attention towards statistics has been something that you and I have engaged with, as well as a few others lately on Facebook and in the podcasting A to Z uh, exclusive alumni uh, group as well as a couple other things you know out there on on Facebook. So absolutely. So let's see here. We I have a Facebook group that is a private closed group invitation only and it's only open to uh, alumni members who have gone through podcasting A to Z. And I'm going to read to you guys something <coughs> that Brandon Vaughn, an A to Z alumni obviously, had posted in this group the other day and he wrote, "The addiction of statistics Cliff has preached this from the beginning, but I've grown so tired of stats. Um, I started out totally focused on content, and I don't think I ever lost sight of it, but it was exciting to see movement and progress in the show rankings, and suddenly it's like a drug. Oh, in the top of podcasts. Oh, in new and noteworthy. Hmm, I wonder about podcast awards. Yet it has dominated my uh, thinking more than I care to admit. 
Recently, my show dropped in the rankings for some reason, perhaps less subscriptions, but it was a blessing to me. And I'm back to 100% focus on creating content that matters and most importantly, helping people. That's the reason why I started this to begin with. I ran across something Cliff said on his site to someone asking for his advice for having dropped out of the top 200 list in iTunes. As always, Cliff cuts to the point <laughs> and he quotes me and, and I'll actually say this. this. This is the advice. I said, advice? Yes. Be thankful that you lasted and new and noteworthy for as long as you did. Now go and, co- and continue to consistently create great content and build a loyal fan base of raving fans and ask them to rate and review your podcast. That was my advice. Anyway, back to Brandon. He says, I'm not sure why I write all of this. Just wanted to share with you all, share with you all my, in my journey. I'm thankful for this lesson because in the end, I would rather help one person authentically be number one in, authentically rather than be number one in rank and help no one. I have a community of listeners now, a family, and uh, now is the time to take care of them. Rankings and stats are too finicky anyway. I think Eric said it elsewhere, but the his biggest growth was when he didn't care about rankings so much. Well said, and he says, screw statistics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are your thoughts on this, Eric? Well, obviously he quotes me and 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 it was he kind of brought that. I think this post was influenced by a different post that was honestly, and here's a credit to again, one of the reasons why I do think you and I both I think like Facebook a little bit better than Twitter is that originally it was an image of somebody posting, um, you know, ranking stuff and, and, and good on them because they were doing well and that was good. And we were all celebrating with them a month ago and it came back around again because somebody commented on it and it brought back the whole discussion and a bunch of people added more comments. And so, you know, there you go. Social media aside, right there, quick little tangent is that I still think that's, that's interesting to me that a Facebook discussion suddenly pops back up into the mainstream of what's you're getting notifications in and on, on Facebook. Um, that said, I kind of threw this out there and I said, you know, I've been thinking, what if we used all the energy that we do to check, check our statistics, our stats, where we rank all those kinds of things and actually use that energy to be productive in terms of creating good content. And I think that's what Brandon saw. And then I also commented, I said, um, the one thing I can say, and and because my show, you know, luckily or whatever, was number two in the business section of iTunes back in September at one point for, you know, a good solid week or more. And the thing is, is that it was nothing that I had done intentionally to market the show that got it there. It was just that I was consistently not paying attention to the rankings that had happened. Well, so. and, and not only that, but but here's the thing. I mean, I do know some of the things that led to get, getting you number uh, to number two because, um, you know, I, I found it pretty interesting to, to know that you did make it there. And one of the things that, and I think you're aware of this too, that you got some pretty big exposure on a LinkedIn post from somebody who has an amazing following. Somebody like officially from Twitter has a group there or something? Yeah, that whole LinkedIn post thing still baffles me to a certain extent. Um, I was part of, as well as a number of other friends, 
listed in a in a uh, a different LinkedIn article. I think I know which one you're talking about. Um, but this one was actually by somebody else, and it was a LinkedIn influencer blog that's you know housed in LinkedIn, and it was top ten p- podcasts you must be listening to right now. And mine was one of them, as well as a number of people we both know. Exactly. So. And and here's some other things that lead into this: is that you know uh, Michael Stelzner has a very successful top ranked i podcast in iTunes. Um, Michael Hyatt has a top ranked podcast in iTunes. Dan Miller has a top ranked podcast in iTunes. And I could go on and on at, you know, John Lee Dumas, a bunch of other folks have top ranked I, uh, I podcasts in iTunes. And I'd like to say that podcast answer man is up there, uh, from time to time as well. And the one thing that's interesting, Eric, is that you have a relationship with all of those people. And it's a genuine, authentic relationship, not where you're trying to get something out of them and try to get mentions and stuff like this. But you genuinely are a part of this community that I have. You're a part of uh, Michael Stelzner's community. You're a part of Michael Hyatt's community. You're part of Dan Miller's community. You have a genuine relationship uh, for uh, with each of those individuals. You have a genuine participation as a community member in each of those communities. And you are consistently investing in relationships with people in those communities without the expressed desire for them to all lead back to you personally. Uh, in fact, there are many times when I see you do things and and it's like, oh, can I plug myself here? Can I plug those? And, and so those things kind of turn people off when all you do is build relationships for the sake of getting other people to to promote you. And that's not what you're doing. And so when what happens is, You've created something great. You've become consistent at it. You have a relationship with these people. And because these people know who you are, they've checked out what you have. And it's worth sharing. Let me say, say that word, those words one more time because this is a key part of this ingredient as well. It is worth sharing. Then people are talking about it. And big people who have a lot of influence are talking about it. And that's how you got to number two. Yeah. And and none of that none of that had to do anything to do with worrying about stats or where how many people were going to see me. It was again like um, Brandon was saying is is again let's focus on creating great content. One because you know honestly that's a good thing to do because that's you know fulfilling your your calling or whatever you want to do however you want to go down that road. But then also we do it to help people. To yes. entertain people and, and, you know, what's what's the GSPN motto again? Entertaining, educational, encouraging and, and content that makes a difference. We do it for those reasons. And so if we the, the, the honestly seeing my show be number two in business made me feel good. You know what's made me feel better? Some of the emails and the tweets and the personal even uh, postal mail. People still send that that I've gotten telling me that they've appreciated and have their had their lives changed in some way by my show and that makes me feel much better absolutely absolutely and and so i i love that brandon is, is talked about this i love that he brought it up i love exactly what you're saying definitely focus on the content and for those of you who are brand new at this focus on the content and and to be honest with you, I I don't think that getting in new and noteworthy is all that great for a brand new podcaster for most of them uh, the the fact is is that uh, most new podcasts simply aren't noteworthy. 
I, I, I'm just saying <laughs> they, they've got half of it right. Yeah, they're they're it might as well just say new podcasts. Uh, but but the reality is is and and I don't say that in a to to be judgmental or anything. The fact is is that when you first start out, that's when you want to make your mistakes. That's when you want to have all the ums and the and and the lack of confidence that you have because you're brand new at this. You're finding your voice and you're not quite sure what your message is or how you're going to communicate. You're it, the first seven to ten episodes for a majority of podcasters aren't their best, and when, and oftentimes if they make it to fifty to a hundred episodes, they go back and listen to the first ones, including me. I and by the way, I had already podcast answer man was my fourth podcast I ever created, and when I created episode number one of podcast answer man, I had already been podcasting for a year. Now, if you can. See if you can go and do a search. Just do a search in Google. Go 001 space podcast space answer space man. All right. So do 001 podcast answer man in iTunes or in Google's at Google's. You like that in Google and go <laughs> and it'll pull up the first episode of the show. Go and listen to it and listen to the difference. I, I, I will tell you right now, it was not extremely my finest it was it was not my finest hour in fact the funniest thing eric is you're the your voice is the first <laughs> know, thing anybody hears and it's me asking you know it's me uh allowing you to beg for me <laughs> for donations uh, and yeah. by the way if if folks don't know what i'm talking about can i play that eric <laughs> yeah go ahead i'm gonna just try this answer i'm going to you can tell that i've grown as well from this clip because <laughs> because eric would never do this today <laughs> here we go listen to this hey this is eric fisher and this episode is made possible in part by me and other listeners like me i have a tight budget but i choose to make a three dollar donation each month to make sure that these great shows continue making a donation is easy just go to generally speaking and click on the paypal donate button i don't even have to have a paypal account to do it and now enjoy the show <laughs> Oh my gosh, my ears are cringing. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Oh, oh my friends, make your mistakes in your first 10 episodes and and don't tell the world <laughs> about them. Uh, you know, and and eventually when you when you get into a groove and you start to find your voice and stuff like that, that's when things start to take off. And the other thing to know about Eric and and is that yeah, his show got some pretty good attention right out of the gate. Right out I mean, th- some things really took off. But Eric, this wasn't your first show either, and you had been. No. It wasn't the first time you'd been podcasting. You've been doing this since two thousand five, or well, two, early two thousand and six, alongside with me. And you had your own, a couple of your own shows. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and that, I think that's partially why I, you know, that's a hundred percent why I attribute some of the very, very early success. The you know, episode one through ten it getting seen and heard and rated and reviewed and ranked and all that kind of stuff was because I had already practiced so much in public prior to that new show I launched. So, but to, but to somebody out there who's, this is, you know, they're putting out their first new podcast ever and they expect to be a new and noteworthy. Don't worry about it. Well, don't. And and here's the thing I'm going to give, I'm going to get, I'm going to let everybody in on a little secret. Okay. Do you want to know how you get into the new and noteworthy uh, section of iTunes? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give everybody a little hint. 
a little a little inside tip here, you know, because everybody makes a huge deal about getting into new and noteworthy. Okay, here's how you get into new and noteworthy in iTunes. It's real simple. Submit a podcast in iTunes. <laughs> Woohoo! I'm in new and noteworthy. The yeah. reality is, is all you have to do is submit a podcast and it be brand new and you're in new and noteworthy. That's all there is to it. There's nothing special about it. And the the more obscure of a category that you're in, uh, the the more likely you are for your brand new podcast with one episode to jump up to number one in new and noteworthy. You know, and 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 that's that's your that's just what it is. And by the way, uh, most new podcasts that are submitted, and so you can even get into a very you know very crowded podcast. Uh, niche. So, for example, business is a very crowded um, is a very crowded uh, space when it comes to a lot of brand new podcasts that are being submitted to iTunes every single day. Okay, every day there are new podcasts being submitted to iTunes in the business category. Now, if you want to get to new and noteworthy, all you have in the business category. Um, or in, you know, obviously there are subcategories for business, but let's just say you, you're in managing management and marketing. I think both you and I are there, Eric. If you were to create a brand new podcast and submit it to iTunes in management and marketing, which is a subcategory of business, you would be guaranteed for eight weeks, you will be a new noteworthy in iTunes in both management and marketing and also in business. You, you would just be there. You may be at the bottom of the list and there might be, you know, with, you know, in that list might be a couple hundred podcasts. I don't think it's ever that many, but it, there might be 70 podcasts that are listed in new and noteworthy, but uh, you will be in that list and you'll be there for eight weeks. Now, here's the thing to get to uh, the, the top part of new and noteworthy to, to rise up to where actually you're in the you're actually featured in the new and noteworthy section where it's actually on the screen when people pull that category up it doesn't take a whole lot to get to there it, it honestly i think you could do it uh, even in the main business category like not just management and marketing but i mean in main business category all you need is about 500 downloads per episode and you'd be number one more than likely and it depends on, you know, the other shows that are submitted at that time and how good they're doing with the, the number of downloads. And and also, the and, and this plays a huge uh, vital role in, in it as well, and it's how many written reviews and five-star ratings do you have. So, obviously, iTunes doesn't give us our, our you know, uh, their algorithm to let us know exactly how this stuff is weighted, but it's downloads and it's ratings and reviews. And it all has to do with usually within, you know, a certain given period of time. And it, and it kind of refreshes on a, on a pretty s- severe basis. Uh, so much so that like within two days of me releasing an episode of Pers- uh, Podcast Answer Man, I bump up to the top. And then, you know, a couple days later, I'm uh, instead of being number 32 in business, I might be, you know, number 184 or something. But the reality is, is here's the situation you could get sucked into and this is going taking us right back to where we started you can get sucked into watching those stats and to it, it i don't know eric when you go and look to see how you're ranking in in various different categories how much time do you think that takes <laughs> i'll say this it's not so much how long it takes to do it one time 
It's how much time it takes when you do it repeatedly. And that, and and people do that. I've right. done that. And, and and that's the thing. Are you are you are you guys out there? Are you checking your your iTunes rankings more than once a day? Are you checking your Libsyn stats more than once a day? Heck, are you checking your Libsyn rankings and your are, are your iTunes rankings and your Libsyn stats? Are you checking those once a day? Or more than once a week? Or if you are, think about all the time that you're doing this. And this is what I love. And you said, Eric, you know, spend that time and and focus it more on show prep and and taking your show to the next level. Focus on the content. But um, ch- chances are, I would recommend that you're doing that anyway. You're doing great things there. But a real good replacement of the time of checking your stats, if you really if you really care about your stats at all, and you care about ranking higher. Instead, obviously, create great can't live without content that is worth sharing. Can't point. I can't stress that enough. But spend the time that you would every time you go to check your stats or go to load iTunes to see where you're ranking. Fight that urge and go to Twitter or go to Facebook and look at your timeline, not your at replies, not your profile notifications where people have said something to you. But no, the people you are following, the people you are connected to, go and read what they are doing and genuinely connect with those people. Not for the purpose of hoping that they will follow you back and or for the purpose of, of you know, hopefully they'll subscribe to my podcast and leave me a written review and blah, blah, blah. But because you genuinely care about those people that you're building a relationship with. And that's how over time, and it's not going to happen within eight weeks. It's going to take time for you to get to the place where the, that stuff starts to come back to you. Yeah. By the way, I was just doing a little bit of math here, and I was barely scrolling down. I went to New and Noteworthy in the business section alone in iTunes. This is just to prove your point. Yep. And I clicked See All, and after it populated, I started to scroll a little bit. And I just started counting the rows and rows of across their six, but down. I just started counting. And like I'm barely through the first fourth of the scrolling bar. And there's already at least a thousand plus podcasts in this new and new and noteworthy section in business alone. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> what you said is totally true. There are thousands of podcasts sitting here in new and noteworthy in business. Yeah, and and, and so it, it, it always cracks me up though when I see people out there. It's like, oh my gosh, my podcast is in new and noteworthy. Well, that's because your podcast is new. Within the last eight weeks, every podcast, within the first eight weeks of being in iTunes, everybody's podcast is in new and noteworthy. Yeah, uh, for their category. Yep. Anyway, so stats. Yeah, that the great, good discussion there. I, I would say stop focusing on them and focus on content and relationships. This has been your podcast public service announcement. There you go. You were just talking about Twitter. We actually have some Twitter news we should talk about. Yeah, tell us about Twitter. What's changing something about DMs now? Yeah, uh, I saw a couple tweets. There was like, oh no, it's the end of the world. Twitter has now allowed everyone to DM you. And here's how to turn it off. And I read that and thought, oh great, what's going on here? And then I read the article and I thought, oh, yeah, it's it's not as big a deal as that just made it out to alarmingly be. Yep. So... So um, the reality is, um, you know, before any changes, uh, Twitter has always functioned in such a way 
that you can uh, follow people and people have the chance to follow you. Now, in the past, Eric, if if you wanted to send me a direct message, which is a private, off-the-grid kind of message between you and me, if you wanted to send me a direct message, to be able to have the ability to do that, it would require that I actually follow you. So, for example, if I'm following, let's just say, a celebrity uh, and somebody, I just want to just say, hey, I just want to share something with you. You know, I, I thought this would be really cool. Or, hey, can I invite you to do this and that and all this other stuff? I'm not, I do not have the ability to direct message that celebrity if that celebrity is not following me. Although, in the past, if a, if, if a celebrity, if I followed a celebrity and for whatever reason they decided to actually follow me back, I have now this privilege of actually sending a message into their direct inbox, uh, their direct message inbox. But now Twitter has made a change to where it does not require us to actually have to follow people to receive messages from them. Is that right? That's correct. They've made the change where you can select in your settings under content in the account section a little box that says receive direct messages from any follower. And what it says is, generally, you must follow someone before they have the ability to direct message you. If you check this option, any Twitter user that follows you will be able to send you a DM, regardless of whether you decide to follow them back. Right. So this doesn't mean that we have the ability to go out and start DMing everybody that's not following us, because that may or may not work, depending on whether that or not they've gone into their settings and opted into this. Yeah, exactly. It, in in a great way, the they didn't decide to turn this on automatically and have you go in to turn it off. It's the other way around. They've made it an option, but it's not. It's opt. It's not opt out. It's opt yeah. in. I, I thankfully, I, will, thankfully. I tell you what. I love Twitter. And, and it's actually now my second favorite social network, which is so weird <laughs> yep. to even say that it, for the longest time. Do you know how many times we did social media serenity podcast together? And, and Twitter's my number one. And now it's my number two favorite. And, you know, the thing is, though, is if they would have opted me into this, I think I might have left Twitter. Well, yeah, well, I could, well. That, that's a little strong. I, I, I will tell you this. A DM would mean nothing to me anymore. It would yeah. DMs would be dead to me. DMs can be dead to me. Yes. It's it's one of those things where well, one, there's been so there was a wave, a huge wave, more more large than anything that we've seen in a long time in terms of DM spam recently. There just was. And and you probably didn't feel the effects of that as much because you don't have you're not following as many people and especially not following anybody who would have let their account get hacked by clicking on links. However, there was a ton out there just in terms of, hey, I advise you should check this link or, oh, here, this thing. And and just anyway, I won't go into all the, the, the different versions of it, but it was in on the increase. It was. I'm making. And so. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I, I, I love Twitter. I really do. But um, I'm not a fan of direct messages. I prefer getting emails. Uh, one of the things that I did, and we talked about this a long time ago, and we're not going to go into it in detail here. But right now, I, I mean, I've got 10,453 people who follow me, 
and I follow 185 people. And and I'll tell you what, it, it takes a lot for me to even think about the fact that I have 185 people. But the reality is, is these are people that I interact with on a regular, consistent basis. These are people that are, I mean, they're not in the inner, inner circle, but they're, you know, they're, they're actually on, they're, in, they're in the inner circle. If, if I actually am following them on Twitter, it's somebody that I interact with pretty darn often. And I genuinely know them. I care about them and what exactly is going on. And, and I do try to keep up with a, a lot of what I see there. I can't keep up with everybody because it is 185 people. But um, I will tell you, most of those 185 people know that I prefer to get email. Now, there are three people of the 185 that actually do send me direct messages. And um, I won't say their names, but I, you know, they're the type of people that when they send me a direct message, I do not mind getting a direct message because it's that person, you know, and if this is how they chose to communicate to me at this time, then all that all be it you know that's that's great and I have that conversation with them and I usually wait three or four days and after about three or four days I just go into my tweet bot and I swipe and delete the entire conversation to go back to inbox zero uh in my in my uh Twitter DM inbox, inbox zero my yes DM inbox zero exactly yeah and in fact that's something that I'm gonna end up talking to a certain person who originated the term inbox zero uh, again on my show sometime very soon and in terms of talking not just about email but about all these different inboxes because so for example you and I follow each other on Twitter yep and I could DM you and you would receive it but I know your preference would be I email you yep (laughs) and so I do that And I know that I have the ability to DM you, but what's the point? I mean, that'd be like me sending you a Facebook message. Oh, don't get me started on (laughs) Facebook messages. We don't want to go there. Yeah. So again, it's it's, but here's the thing: Why would somebody want to turn this on? Well, in my mind, as a business, you may want to turn it on just to have an extra level of, or maybe not a level, but an extra channel of allowing people to privately message you without you having to follow them to allow them to do that, you know, for customer service or whatever. Yeah. Like imagine an airline who say, says something in terms of, Hey, uh, you know, somebody's tweeting something. They're like, Hey, I need help. Well, you want to get account information and you want them to do it quickly. And they have the app open right then and there without, you know, calling and waiting in line on a, you know, a, a phone line. You say, DM us the information and then we'll get right back to you. And, you know, so by, by them having this channel open, it's like opening a port almost, you know, open the, the secret port that lets these messages come through on the, the internet, the router, whatever. Um, by allowing that, that makes it so much easier for that to, to, to happen privately. Yeah. And, and, so. and I think this is a wonderful feature for brands. There, there's no question about that whatsoever. You know, where you you desire to have the ability for people to be able to tweet you and you don't have to want to actually go in and follow those thousands of people so that you so that they have this ability. Um, and, it, and it allows those brands to actually carefully select who they follow and what they're following and still allows them to have the ability for their customers and clients to send that direct message with 
a private request of help for something. So I I, I, I love that Twitter has turned this on. And my favorite thing is that it's opt in and um, I don't actually have to start receiving those messages like I do in Facebook, unfortunately. I wish they had an opt out of Facebook messages. I wish there was an option where if you oh. sent, if you tried to send me a message on Facebook, it's where it would just say, you know, Cliff is selected not to receive Facebook messages. I, I tell you what, I'm still going to look into figuring out how to do a Gmail autoresponder, like set up the, the Facebook message notification email to come to my Gmail, create a filter that then auto responds with something and sends it back saying, hi, please email me this question if you want a response. Exactly. In, in a little bit nicer words than that. But anyway. And, but then we need a script also that would not only do that, but go in and auto archive or delete every single one of the original messages. Right, so that they're not showing up as messages when you log into Facebook. Exactly. Oh, <sighs> the desires of our heart. Anyway, so uh, one more topic here, since um, and, and I think this is good for you to stay on for, uh, Eric, and because I think it affects you certainly more than it affects me. So I'd love to hear your immediate reaction to this. Now, you and I both do a lot of interviews for podcasts. Your show is an interview format, so. Uh, you actually do all of your episodes contain almost all of your episodes contain an interview. I recently saw in the uh, face private Facebook group for the podcasting A to Z alumni. One of my members posted an announcement and uh, let's see. Uh, I can't remember who it was right now. But anyway, the idea was that Skype is actually getting ready to get rid of their desktop API which means that um, the software-based recording programs like Pamela for the PC and Call Recorder for um, uh, the Mac, those services come December 2013, just a couple months from now, will no longer work. Have you heard this news? Yes, I have. And I'm hoping that you have a solution. Well, my solution would be get hardware, <laughs> hardware and do Skype mix minus just like I I've always uh, recommended folks do. It's exactly how I do mine. And matter of fact, you're on Skype right now. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like, hmm, do I, I wonder how often I do this. But I, you're actually every time you come <laughs> you on, you're on every week. I almost. do it every week. So I'm, I'm on here. You're on here. And I am not using software to record anything Everything is coming into my mixer and your voice, my voice, all going into a digital audio recorder thanks to something called a Skype Mix Minus. And that's how I do everything. It's how I always train people to do things. But there are some people who either can't afford the equipment or choose not to have the equipment and they do use software. And here's what Skype says. Skype says my application will stop working with Skype in December 2013. Why is that? And Skype wrote back, we've been working hard to develop new technologies and make improvements that will benefit Skype users all across all platforms, especially on mobile devices. These changes will significantly improve the call quality and speed of delivery of instant messages while retaining excellent battery life of mobile devices. As people are using Skype on more devices, We're also working hard to create a more familiar and consistent Skype experience across all major platforms. The desktop API was created in 2004 and doesn't support mobile application development. 
We have therefore decided to retire the desktop API in December 2013. So I won't go any further into their thing there, but the fact is, is they are getting rid of it. Now, here is what Pamela has on their website. And uh, let me see if I can actually find a link to that. I got it right here. Uh, this Pamela's website says this, Skype shows a warning API. We want to let you know that your Pamela.exe application will stop working with Skype starting in December 2013. When you upgrade to Skype 6.9, you will be seeing a message in Skype letting you know that Skype will stop third-party application access to Skype. Skype has announced that they will remove the desktop API from Skype for Windows desktop, Skype for Mac, and Skype for Linux. In addition, they have announced that the decommissioning of SkypeKit, a toolkit which allowed uh, with which Skype was integrated into hardware devices such as TVs. The removal of the API will render all Skype add-on products useless. This includes Pamela for Skype, various hardware products, and the majority of all other applications. As you can understand, we are not happy about this. As of Skype 6.11, the desktop API will physically uh, will be physically removed from the Skype application. Add-on products like Pamela will not be able to communicate with Skype anymore. This affects all add-on products built for Skype. Read Call Recorder for the Mac. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, for the time being, we recommend that, that you downgrade back to Skype 6.8 until we see how this plays out. Download it here. And of course, I pro- you know, they probably have like old, is it all versions or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, important notice. After installing Skype 6.8, disable the automatic update function in Skype, which you go to tools, options, advanced, and then automatic update. So you want to auto- turn that off. Uh, we particularly we are particularly shocked because of the short notice given to Skype users and the fact that Skype is not providing any replacement successor interface module uh, or model, uh, which will allow us and other developers to fuller, further provide the functionality that you are enjoying today. We will update this article as we have more information. So that's where things stand at this point. Skype is Skype was purchased by Microsoft. And Microsoft has decided that they want their desktop versions of their software to be an exact mirror duplicate of their mobile version of their Skype software. Yeah, it's interesting. So I'll need to figure out a workaround. That's for sure. Well, it sounds to me like the desktop API is built into the the actual software that you're running versus something on their servers. Now, I, I don't know that to be true. I'm not a developer. I don't understand all of that stuff. But it sounds to me like what Pamela is saying over there on the P, for PC users is as long as you maintain an older version of Skype, Pamela will continue to work unless Skype does something in their future that will break the ability for those older pieces of software of Skype to actually dial calls to other things. And you never know with Skype, and certainly you never know anything with my good friends. Not, I'm just kidding, obviously. Over at Microsoft, who I'm not a fan <laughs> of, uh, if you didn't know. But uh, anyway, 
this is not good news for a lot of you out there. And I am, I, I wish I had more to give you. The only thing I can say is I don't have a solution for any of you at this time. Uh, I would imagine there will be solutions out there. I know that there are some really wonky workarounds for doing things uh, with some, at least on the Mac, I know there's something called Soundflower and there's some other things you could try to pull off, but it is very technical and complicated and would require me doing a lot of research of doing something I wouldn't normally do on my own anyway. But for the research for you guys, I will find ways to accomplish this once this functionality is turned off and once they've actually updated their apps to, you know, with the new system, mm-hmm. I will then try to create some tutorials on on some other options for you guys. I think even even my initial thought or, you know, work around software based, not hardware based, is to open up, uh, have have Skype running, have the call going. And then hit uh, open up ScreenFlow and just hit record so that it's recording the audio from from both sides, and then export the audio out from that. Yep, that would definitely work because it's using Soundflower, which is what I was just talking about. That so that 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 it is ScreenFlow makes use of that. Another um, another option, and I haven't tested this, but the, I use a program called it's called Piezo P I E Z O in the Mac, and I think it's like fifteen dollars. And it allows you to record uh, certain applications and stuff like that. And and it doesn't, I don't think it ties into the same API that Pamela and Call Recorder and all that. Matter of fact, I'm positive it's not. I think it does a similar thing using Soundflower. So Piezo is another piece of software. There'll be options out there and we'll discuss them. You know, we're going to cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the music is playing. Eric, um... Thank you so much for joining me for an, a lengthened discussion here today on Podcast Answer Man. Anything you want to plug? Uh, you know what? Check out the check out my book, Beyond the To Do List Goals. It's doing very well in the entrepreneur section of the Kindle Store, and we just added the as a bonus for free the audiobook version. Sweet. So go check that out at beyondthetodolist.com/goals. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show again. And uh, we'll, I, I don't know what's going on next week. Are we on for next week? I can't remember. I, I think we're doing podcast report, maybe. Okay, that's probably right. Anyway, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for having Thanks for coming on. Uh, you're welcome. It's that's been the, my pleasure. That's the problem with playing your music as you're doing the outro. I can't actually just edit that part out. All right. We'll talk soon, Eric. See ya. My friends, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Podcast Answer Man. I want to say real quick thank you to each of you who have been using my Bluehost affiliate link for signing up for your hosting account. Uh, Nine-tenths-of-the-law.com, all spelled out. Nine-tenths. Actually, it's nine-tenths-law.com. Nine-tenths-law.com. Then there's brokenbuggy.com and scottishgolfpodcast.com. All of the folks behind those domains used my affiliate link for Bluehost when signing up for their hosting account. Of course, when you do that, I get a pretty significant commission. So thank you for that. If you want my thoughts on hosting for your website, head over to podcastanswerman.com slash hosting. Again, don't forget, uh, go right now, podcastanswerman.com slash products. Check out my digital training products. And the cool thing is, is I love my new workflow of how those things work. And, uh, See if you can see if you can grab inside the studio before I raise the price. 
it'll be a little challenge for you. Anyway, God bless you all, and I'll be back again next week. Until then, I encourage you to take everything you do in life to the next level. Helping you to get the thing.